Hola amigos y bienvenidos al Esposito de esta semana del Kenton League Podcast. Yeah, that's right, suckers. I'm in Spain, uh, sat here thinking about all things Kenton League, although really the joke's on me as it's barely stopped raining since I got here. Uh, hopefully tomorrow the weather will be better. As always, this week's show is brought to you in association with Workforce Dimensions Limited. I am John Phipps, live from Torrevieja in Spain, and now live from Broadstairs in England is a man who I'm going to change the intro. Said to me a minute ago, I'm just going to waffle my through my way through this one. Mr. McGerrard, how are you? Scorchio, Scorchio, uh, not, not bad. I'm in, I'm in a different office now because we're recording this a little bit earlier, so I've got a bit of an early lunch break to to live with your uh, lifestyle. So um, I'm in a, a windowless office. So I don't know. It might be the acoustics may be a little bit better, but uh, yeah, so I'm living the dream, John. Living the dream. Just uh, the Christmas stress that um, various things are, are kicking off, which is always nice. So uh, nice to speak to you in the pissing rain. Ooh. But you might want to beat that out in Spain. Yes, exactly. Um, I did have the original intro, which I changed literally on the hoop, uh, was about you giving the sermon at your local church on Sunday. Are you excited about that? <laughs> yes, we well. Uh, I've got to act it out, but I've got to, myself and my wife are doing it because the vicar came round. Um, we've got to do some ad libbing, so I've got to sort that out before the weekend when I can find two minutes. So, yes, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I may even have to go up to the pulpit, so I have to walk up the stairs and everything. So, I won't be like Jimmy Graham, sort of doing things like that. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't mind doing things like that. So, and the vicar's so nice; it's, it's good to see. So, from that point of view, yeah. I suppose normally when you t- when you do your public speaking, you're normally talking to what what you can see is just an audience of me. But this time there will actually be other people watching. Yeah. You know they're there. Yeah, I don't mind public speaking. And from that, in my job, I don't have to be much presenting or anything like that. Or uh, in that thing is the role I am. I'm just a minion behind the scenes. But I don't mind doing two things like that. You know, I talk a little bit quickly, everybody says that, but um, yeah, it, it should be okay. The wife's a bit nervous, she was well up for it, but then I think it's dawned on her a little bit that she's going to have to, um, uh, whose line is it anyway, you know, the ad-libbing sort of thing from there, so, um, but she'll be fine as well, yeah. So. I'm, I'm excited for you, and if there is anybody who's, who's able to record this, uh, I would love to see video footage. But it's one of these things, it, what, it, what it is, the sermon is, um, uh, I'm not going to turn it into a religious thing, but basically... Uh, to get with Christmas coming, it's, it's people changing their lives because Jesus, etc., like that. So, and there will be a lot of kids in there. So, from that, but I'll let you know how it goes on next week. Oh, I will look forward to hearing uh, all about it. Um, apart from that, you, you, you've been okay. Obviously, we, we saw each other Monday, and, and uh, yeah, we're, we're... yeah, a little bit uh, issues at work and things, but that's life. And um, I did got into uh, I went to a boot fair the weekend, and I picked up a CD. Um, do you remember David Gray, White Ladder? Yeah, I used to love that CD. And I picked it up for 50p because I know I've got it at home somewhere in the loft, but I can't be bothered to go in the loft, even though I've got to get the Christmas decks down, but that's another story. Um, and I brought it at 50p and realising, going back to uh, music albums that you used to love, um, is quite a therapeutic thing because that David Gray White Ladder, which is 20 years old this year, is an unbelievable album. And one of the stories on this, I went into Our Price, that shows how old this is, Ask Your Mum and Dad Kids if you've never heard of Our Price, and it was on in the background. And that's the first time in a CD I ever brought. I think, oh, I quite like this. I brought that. And then David Gray, White Ladder, went absolutely mental. I think in probably 1999, or was it then, 24, I would have thought everybody at the age of 24 had that album. And when I was listening to it on the way to Peterborough at the weekend and over the weekend, realising what an album it is. Have you ever listened to White Ladder? And do you have it in your collection, John? No and no. Uh, have you heard of it? I've heard of it. Yeah, of course I've heard oh, of it. Yeah. It's, it's an it's, unbelievable album. It's, it's, it's so good. There's some, in, in 20 years, it's the test of time. I even went to see David Gray. I bought all his old albums, went to see him in concert. I was sort of, yeah. And I, when I saw it for 50p, I thought, oh, I've got to have that. Fantastic. So looking back at old music, I probably need to go up the loft, look at my old CDs. Cause I've probably got some absolute classics in there or absolute bangers. That's what everybody says to the kids say these days. Um, on the old CD because I, I, I don't really listen to that modern, much modern music so and there's some absolute quality in my uh, loft somewhere but yeah going back to listen to old music would there be an album that you would look back in 15 years ago that you think ah oh, what an album and you'd always listen to do you know I think there, there are a few I mean I, I a lot of the bands that I really like are still were around that sort of time and are still around now so I still can listen to them all but uh, it's interesting one album that I'm actually going to go the other way when you talk about this was um 
the Seahorses, which was the band formed by John Squire and left the Stone Roses. I absolutely loved them. Uh, I bought their album. They were the first band I saw in concert. Um, absolutely brilliant. I listened to the album probably about four or five years ago and I thought, oh, this is dated. Um, and I was like, I absolutely love this, like 10, 15 years ago. 97 it was released, I think. Uh, and I was like, and I, and I was quite disappointed when I listened back to it. But a lot of albums that I do tend to listen to, um, you know, I still would listen to The Colour and the Shape by The Foo Fighters. Uh, that's a brilliant album. And and it, a lot of music does stand the test of time. And, and I'm really I'm really glad to hear that David Gray has, has stood the test of time in your eyes, Matt. Yeah, oh, going playing is that got the music as well. Have you ever been to a band, you've got all the CDs from, saw them in concert, and then threw out the CDs? Because I have done that to a, um, uh, a band. Name that artist. Uh, what was they did the, uh, the Scooby Snacks? Oh, yeah. Yeah, saw them in concert and they were absolutely appalling. And I went back and I threw all my CDs. I had all the albums, so I'm going to listen to this again. So is there a band that you thought, oh, you know, so I, yeah, I thought these would be brilliant and they were terrible. Somebody threw a, uh, a bottle on stage and after that he just couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Huey, was it Huey from the Fun Loving Criminals? Yeah. Yeah, terrible. So I've never thought I've been to going. that extreme, but there's been a few bands that I've seen and I've been like, yeah, I, I, I still like the music. I'll still listen to it, but I'm in no rush to see them again. Uh, and one band, actually, who, who fit into that criteria are the Stereophonics, who were, oh, you know, they're still big now and they're still releasing some good songs. But I saw them, uh, I saw them support the band James in the late 90s. They were brilliant, the Stereophonics. They were absolutely superb. Then I saw them at uh, Reading at, at V Festival. They were superb. I'd seen them in between times. Uh, headlining their own show, didn't enjoy it as much. I found that they were much better when they only had a shorter time slot. Um, and after a while, you're just kind of a bit like, well, well, yeah. I, did see them, I, I saw them at Margate, and that was the day Jill Dando got shot. I always remember that. Matthew Gerard. And they, yeah. We were in the same room that night. So that was a great concert. They had some good albums, Stereophonics. I know they still go. They, they are quite... That's probably the first... Um, what's their first album? Uh, World Gets Around. Yeah, that, yeah, so they're brilliant, brilliant album. So that's probably, if I saw that 50p, I'd probably buy it rather than going out the loft and getting out. So. It is amazing that you say the night Jill Dando died, because I always remember that being the night Jill Dando died as well. We're very similar, me and you, mate. We, yeah, we yeah, yeah. So like stuff concept, together, like radio shows and podcasts. Yeah, that was that was a good thing. What was, what was I going to say about other groups? I was going to say something else. Yeah, fun-loving criminals. They were not. Fair. But hey, yeah, I do. I used to love my music. Well, I was talking about concerts because we were going to. I say, did I mention we're going to go and watch Little Mix? Because yeah, I mentioned it on the pod last week. And we're not going because it's too expensive. Yeah, that was exactly. So we thought we. I thought uh, I'm being. I don't know. Last time I went to a pop concert, we probably not even good pop concerts now, are they? But I used to, you know, when you didn't have kids and things like that, and you go all over the place and. I don't, again, Oasis are my favourites. If I, I would pay whatever it took, if they said they were getting back together and it was X, Y, Z, I'd pay it because I've seen them numerous times. And I'd see them again, and they will always be my favourite band. So, but eventually they will come back out. But would I probably book, I'd probably pay two hundred quid for a ticket for that because they are the band. And they will charge that because Mark's like... Yeah, 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 exactly. Eventually, it will happen. It will happen, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things. I think that, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely... They're just still just stringing everybody along. Uh, along. I mean, I, I go to gigs when I can. I don't get to as many uh, as I'd probably like to. I've been to a couple this year, uh, both in the last sort of six weeks or so. Uh, I know I'll go to a couple next year as well. But it's, you know, life changes. You know, you, it is harder to go. When I was at uni, I was at gigs probably a couple of times a month because it was on tap, it was close by and it was cheap. That's the other thing. Conversation yeah, yeah, we had last week. This. When did it go? Yeah, just got mental. So, yeah. um, and, and again, 60 quid for Little Mix and I might not be able to see the stage as middle-aged Matthew kicking in saying, we well, didn't actually tell, the, the girls don't actually know they're on so they're not going to miss out. So, <laughs> um, And as you said earlier, you know, week before they might be worth 12, 15 quid a ticket. Exactly. Right, we weren't exactly inundated with footballing room 101 shouts last week, but there was a good one. I did have one, I did have one. Yeah, I've got one as well, go on, you go. Jason, Direthetics Media Man, yeah. his biggest room 101 is, because he looks after the Twitter, when Dover lose to, I don't know, rubbish team, 
and he always gets loads of texts saying, you've cost me money. If you'd have scored, I'd have won oh. 150 quid. So he gets things like that all the time. And he, and he did say it gets right on his nerves. They get more retweets or notifications when they've lost, when people have lost money. So, but there you go. Outrageous. Yeah, we, we had one saying uh, the overuse of the word legend. Uh, and and it's it's cute a lot of things. I think I mentioned class last week. I think social media overuses a lot of phrases like that. That's class. Also, someone yesterday describing something that was nice as a unbelievable gesture. It's all over the top, and and, and it all kind of relates back to clickbait, which is something I absolutely detest. But then, without a certain newspaper group's decision to make that their full time ambition, there wouldn't actually be a Kent on League podcast. So, uh, so there you go. If you do have any other. Uh, football 101. Who would you class as a legend in football in terms? What would, what would you have to be to become a legend? It's uh, it's subjective, isn't it? Like, you know, certain things, certain times, you know, you would look and, you know, so, some, if you can be a legend at a certain club and that's absolutely fine. But, you know, someone scoring a, off their backside to, to win a cup, that doesn't make them a legend. It's about no. long service for me. You know, it, it, I can't like your man Lee Worthy. He was there for a long time. Say he's a legend. I'd go along with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he basically kept us up for about three seasons. Chris Kinnear's a Dover legend. I don't think Ricky Miller's a Dover legend. No, not at all. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose Frank Lampard is a legend at Chelsea because he's got all those goals. Uh, and from that point of view, but if he gets sacked, will he not be a legend anymore? That is probably a good not question. Week. We shall find out in the in the future, I'm sure. Uh, it's our 102nd episode this week, as well as being what I understand is a fairly underwhelming sequel to 101 Dalmatians. Uh, I've also unearthed another film from India that actually sounds quite good. 102 Not Out is a Hindi film about a bloke who's 102. Uh, he's very happy and he wants his ambition is to be the oldest person alive. But he's got a 76 year old son who's a miserable sod, thinks his dad's too old to have fun, so he threatens to have his son put in elderly care facility uh, made more than 18 million pounds in the box office in India and China so it might be alright Matt should we do an English language version of this yeah that's got to be on Netflix or Amazon Prime that one isn't it so 102 that's a good knock though to be fair 76 well yeah yeah, yeah we, sh- we should do that mate yeah oh, I'm a little bit older than you so I, I can be the miserable cantankerous one and you can be the Cool one. Excellent, lovely. Uh, right, let's start the, the football this week then in the Isthmian League, where it's been a, a mixed week for our three teams in the Premier Division. Uh, folks and Victor back on top of the table, but they only collected two points from their two matches. A 0 0 draw at Lewis on Saturday and a 1 1 against Kingstonians. They finally played back at home on Tuesday night against Kingstonian. Uh, part of the reason they're back top, though, is thanks to Margate, who enjoyed a fantastic 3 0 win at Horsham on Saturday. A result which Jason Orners will hope can kickstart a good run of form for Gate. There was disappointment for Craig Wanderers, who suffered their first away defeat of the season. And and in whatever the opposite of some style is as well, was they were beaten 4-0 at Carl Shorten. Uh, this weekend, there's a big old game at the Fullicks as the top two meet with Horsham, the visitors. Uh, Margate are on the road to Sussex again as they face Worthing. Cray Wanderers are at home to Potter's Bar. And I've left that one till last because it's their first home game since November the 9th. And it's their only home game before Christmas. How have they ended up having one home game in the best part of two months? Yeah, when they don't have to go on their own ground as yet, that must be a real... Uh, um, Gary Hillman must be putting his hand in his pocket from that, so that's disappointing. I presume they must have been playing sides who are in various cup competitions from that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a difficult time. I think Margate have called a couple of games off coming up as well, haven't they, in the next few weeks? Again, I don't know if it is because the, the ridiculous nature of the Ryman League that you're now playing midweek games in the middle of December when it's freezing... Um, and it's probably too much for supporters so Margate I've looked at it and said oh we can't afford to play you know in December you know four or five home games when it's tough on people at that time of the year but yeah I feel sorry for Cray there I presume they're desperate to get back to their get to their own ground and when when these things happen they've got maybe some income coming in yeah and I suppose as well with that as well they will also have the, the fact that they won't have to tie in with someone further up the pyramid when they've got their own stadium as well in terms of their own fixtures. So that's probably... Yeah, I presume, yeah. Because they'll play a lot on the Sunday, don't they? So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult... This time of year, um, why are the midweek games is beyond me, to be honest, because um, it's freezing cold. Nobody's going to... Unless you're, you know, going to think twice about going and the cost as well. So, but that's... We've had this argument numerous times, John. Probably Room 101, fixture listings is probably what we should add that in. Yeah, we'd love someone to come on and talk and explain about fixture lists as well, if there's anyone out there who's, who's got any knowledge in that. Well, the scaffold are big on it. Maybe they can let us know, or at least they'll have a bit of their part and how everything above them affects them sort of thing. Yeah, we'd love to hear from somebody about that. Yeah. We, basically, I'm always slated it, and there could be 
three reasons to say, oh, that is correct. So I'm, I'm looking at it one angle of the, of the story there. That game, though, at, at Folkestone on Saturday, massive game, Folkestone against Horsham and uh, Neil Cugley's men, they, they haven't played at home for a long time either until Tuesday night, and they'll be looking to, to get a big result and hopefully a big crowd down there. Yeah, Folkestone are always, uh, as we always say, kicking above their, where they should be, put some good players in. Ira Jackson scored again. Was on trial at Dover. Dover looking at the strike on, putting two two together, make five there. Um, decent player. Look, Neil Cugney's doing a, again a decent job. If they can beat Horsham, at Margate didn't see that coming in, in um, on Saturday when they get a result. And Folkestone again, I think they'll get the playoffs. So just got to keep up that momentum. And good to see they've got a couple of home games to get some much needed coffers through the door. Because always the concern for Folkestone that they'll have to lose players because they need the money to keep them going over the winter. Exactly. Into the South East Division now on our first interview in this week's show. I've got a little list of people that are due a podcast catch up and at the top of it this week was Whitsville Town manager Lloyd Blackman. So while I was jetting out here on Tuesday, Matt caught up with Whitsville Town manager Lloyd Blackman. It's been Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, non-stop and yet we've only completed, what is it, 12 or 13 league games. So we've had this... Uh this farce of a velocity competition, which I don't think many managers that I've spoken to are, are massively uh, impressed with, if that makes sense. Um, so it's yeah, it's been a it's been quite quite a, quite a busy and eventful first first part of the season or half the season nearly. So um, as for how it's gone, yeah, yeah, we've been pleased. We've, obviously, we were well aware that there was a, a big change and turnover of, uh, of players, plus obviously from a staff position as well and it was always going to be um, uh, it was always going to be sort of uh, a busy period for, to start off with but I think we can be pleased with, where, with, with how we're doing at the moment and we're uh, and we'll look to continue and push on from, from the base that we've built so yeah, um, you're 12th in the league at the moment Do you, as I say you've still got you know 30 odd games left to play in this division so yeah. do you think you know the league hasn't really taken shape yet no, not really. No, I think that's a it's, it's a it's a good assessment, really, considering that, as I said, there's you know I think some clubs have only played nine games, or, and then there's all of a sudden there's there's some clubs on sort of fourteen, fifteen games, and, and as I said, it's from uh, you would expect there to be almost twenty games completed by this time of the season, but there's not. So um, it is still it's, it's it's still fairly early as for where um, as for what the league is is, is representing. Um, so. It's, it's certainly a challenging league from, from, from the competition that we played and we feel that there's the gap between, should you say, the top and the bottom sides is, is a lot closer than, in my opinion, than it has been for, an awful, for, for, for a very long time. So there's not as many sort of, whether or not that's not as many teams that are, uh, are running away with it or if that's more of a case that the gulf has been shrunk, if that makes sense, yeah. of, of, of the quality. So um, as, as even, in the, even in the sort of less amount of games that have been played so far this, this season, there's, there's still been... There's not much. It's very difficult to predict some of the results that are, that are coming. So it's um, it's certainly proving a challenging a challenging competition. You mentioned the Velocity Trophy earlier. From that point of view, again, yeah. the consensus before the season started, we got the people we spoke to that the league said, "Oh, everybody was really keen for this tournament." But all the managers we speak to, and you alluded to a bit earlier there, said it's a complete waste of time. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's a difficult one. It's you know you. You're two, three games in, and you know you can't compete. You know you can't qualify. There's only one that goes through, and when you are competing, you're going up to a Ryman, a Bostic Prem team, or Borsch, should we call it Bet Victor, whatever you want to call it, um, uh, Ishmian Premier side. I, I, I don't see the, I don't see what the the idea is. I, I don't. Um, they shrunk the league last year, or shortly last year, or the year before. Let me try and remember. Um, a couple of years ago, whatever it was, because the work of the volume of games. Um, and, and now they've sort of brought this back in. So, or should we say, or added more fixtures because of this, this competition. So, and by the time you end up being in a, a squad of the size of mine, and I know I speak to, I speak on behalf of some clubs, I'm sure it's beneficial, but we don't have another 23s. Um, we have a reserve side. Um, but really, it's, it's not really a suitable competition for some clubs, and it, it could benefit others. So, I'm not a massive fan of it, I must admit, but um, hey-ho, it's, uh, you just get on with it, don't you, you know? Yeah, well, you're playing, you know, I was speaking to you before you play your game against Hastings this evening, so you had a good result yeah. against Faversham at the weekend. Hastings, always one of these sides are there and thereabouts. 
your home form yeah. has been good. You only lost once at home. You haven't played that many games at home, but you'll be looking no. to get three points today. Yeah, yeah, we're under no illusions that the um, the size of the task. Um, Chris is doing a fantastic job down there, and um, you know they're unbeaten this season. I think they've only conceded something like six goals, and they're, they're, they are probably the um, the benchmark for the league. I know Cray Valley, and will probably dispute that, and, and Kev Watson will probably dispute that. Cray Valley, and obviously Tommy, and and some other Tommy Warlow and Ashford. There's a few clubs that will probably probably say otherwise, but. In my opinion, I think that from what they've done over the last two, three years, you would expect them to be probably the team to beat in this division. So um, I think it'll be it'll be a challenge. No doubt, it'll be a challenging, uh, challenging game tonight. And um, as I said, if we can continue how we played on on Saturday, which was very, very pleasing, then then you'd uh, you'd like to think you'd like to think you give yourself a chance. So um, we'll approach you as positive, confident we can, and hopefully get a result. Now you brought Marshall Ratton in back on loan for the rest of the season from yeah. Dover. Like yeah. I saw, I've seen him a couple yeah. of times playing for Dover, and I saw him play as a, a left fullback. What position do you think is his best position for you? You see him as? Well, it, you know, we we had him obviously for a month. Didn't we we had him for a month um, uh, about six weeks ago. So, um, and he played as a left winger for ourselves. Um, I was well aware of his versatility, so he's able to, to you know he's able to play in in sort of two or three positions. I know that. Um, um, and he has and Tyler and sort of, especially in the pre-season, had looked to have him as a sort of left back, left wing back type area. Yeah. So I know that he has that in his locker if need be. Um, but as I said, when he was over with us for the month, and now we have him for the rest of the season, which is which is great. He, he wanted to come and join us because I think he, he really enjoyed the, the spell we had with us. Um, and we'll uh, and we'll look to we'll look to improve him by giving him game time the best we can. And um, yeah, he's a, a real good asset, a real good introduction into the squad and. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he's here. Yeah, looking ahead, I see you're playing Guernsey away next week. Again, yeah. how, how does, I know Guernsey have had problems with their ground or they've been doing the ground up. How does that work no, for you was, guys on a Wednesday? Because, you know, everybody seems... It, it, it was, do you know what? I, I, I don't, I've got to be very careful, really, because as I said, from, from us, from, there's two aspects to this. For one, I know that the guys at Guernsey have done everything they can to just you know they're very very accommodating they're, they're, they're fantastic I've got great um, a, a large amount of respect for, for Tony Vance and what he, work he does and I speak to him very very often um, but the situation is is that we played a, we went to travel over there I believe about three four weeks ago yeah. um, um, and it was actually the morning of the Rugby World Cup final and when we arrived at the airport we found out that the, that the airline had no pilots to transport us to Guernsey and back so um it was then a case of where well, we tried to delay the kickoff because we wanted it there because uh, we wanted it done that day. And the only other then the only other then contingency was for is for them for us to stay overnight, to play the game, stay overnight because there was no late night flights out of Guernsey. And unfortunately, the players with work commitments couldn't do it. It was impossible for them to do it. So the game's now been rearranged for a Wednesday evening, and we've got to travel over there on on the Wednesday afternoon and fly back Thursday morning, two weeks before Christmas, which is not an ideal situation when players now have to take sort of one and a half, two days off work. So it's kind of... Do you have any choice of when that game would be or do the league say you've got to play? No, we had some dates about when we could do it, but as for the sort of timing of the game on, you know, as the kickoff time and and other things, no, it was not going to be able to be moved to a weekend fixture. It wasn't going to be able to be moved to to an afternoon fixture. So we've had to sort of... um, you know that's that's sort of out of our control. We asked politely, but we did, we got knocked back, and we're and we're now sort of the players are sort of having to take two days off work. And I know Guernsey's argument is exactly the same, and I can completely understand that. But as I said, it's uh, it's kind of it's you know some I know the Guernsey the, the, the travel from if you're travelling from Guernsey, you fly straight out, whereas we have to sort of hang around at the airport for three and a half hours. And it's it's just, I don't know. It's just a, it's just one of those situations that I'm. Um, it's, it is what it is. It's not sort of. It's, it's been confirmed. It's done, and, and we'll go over there and give the best account of ourselves um, with the squad that we take. So, um, fingers crossed. Well, he spoke there about that Hastings game on Tuesday night and it did prove to be a challenge as they lost that one 3-1. But any manager who calls the Velocity Trophy a farce in the first question unprompted wins me over straight away. Uh, I've always liked Lloyd anyway and, and it seems from that he's quite happy with how things have started from at Whitstable. Yeah, uh, it, we, we thought he did a good job at Ramsgate and it ended about a year ago, I think. It, so he's gone to Whitstable, putting his stamp on it. 
Um, as he said, when I thought, when I looked at it, 13 league games is absolutely fast called middle of the table. Did we expect them to be up there top of the table? Maybe not. So they're going in the right direction, I would say. Um, he's a good manager, knows players, likes to bridge some youth. So, and that's what we will have got to do, bring in the youth team players and give Lloyd a bit of a chance. We've seen a lot of our Kent sides in this division get rid of their managers, but we will have done it before. But I think they need a little bit of, you know, keep it going as it is. Give Lloyd Blackman the time. You know, he's played at a decent level and he, I think he's got plenty of contacts around the county when he can bring players like Ratton in for the rest of the season. Clearly, he's trusted by Andy Hessenthaler to work with him and I think a decent manager and a decent trip. But again, I'm a full side for him going to Guernsey next week. Because Guernsey are doing pretty well but that does seem a little bit harsh that that's going midweek and people losing time but then December as well but that's the, the fixture list again. Yeah, in the middle of that answer, the word match I was looking for was stability. Uh, yeah, stability. Yeah, it was good. That was it. Yeah, that was true, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that trip to Guernsey is, is is brutal, and it does show again the the desire or the sacrifice that people in in non league football make, and, and we don't appreciate that enough, especially people who are going to be giving up their. They've got what a day and a half off, two days off. Next week, in the middle of Christmas, middle of December, when they won't even have that much leave left to take, and they're having to sh- give up their work time and family time to go out there and, and represent Whitstable Town. Yeah, when you speak to anybody on this podcast, I love non-league football, but these people love, live and breathe it. Lloyd Blackman, uh, you know, I'm not saying his service. I don't think Lloyd Blackman's ever going to be a football league manager, but he will be a successful non-league manager. So, you know, he's got his day job. Half the time he's probably on the phone to players, organising, etc. So, yeah, and the players as well. Guernsey, Guernsey at the weekend we hear is, is a good trip for some of these claims players and they look forward to it. Maybe going on a midweek on a Wednesday when it's bitterly cold, you hope your plane's going to go, can be a bit of a... Um, a chore, but they'll go there. But Guernsey are, are doing pretty well this season, aren't they? So, be a tough test for them. But hopefully, they can come back with something. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, interesting you say about being on the phone to apply. I certainly know I, I had a chat with uh, Simon Halsey on the radio show uh, back in the summer one week when he didn't turn up, um, and he was saying about like you know the work he does. I think he's a foreman on a building site and. Sometimes he can be trying to get a player in, but he's called away for work and he hasn't got his phone with him and he comes back and, and the, the player's called, they've gone somewhere else, they've missed the opportunity. And uh, it is diff- we forget sometimes that people do have lives outside of what they're doing. And, you know, uh, we probably show that with ourselves with the podcast sometimes because we do the podcast and it's just like, oh, we'll do that, we'll do that, we'll do that. But sometimes you do have to mess around with it. And, and you know, I'm sat here in Spain doing the podcast this week. I'm going to have to try and find time to edit it. But... It is a commitment. We show a little bit of commitment, but the commitment that the players and the managers and the people behind the scenes, the club secretaries and everything show, is way above and beyond anything. Yeah. One day, I'd like to be involved in something like, you know, when I'm retired, maybe, and helping out clubs like that, because, you know, I think it's a a labour of love for, for some of these people. And when I've got more time, I'd like to get involved in something and helping people out because... You know, they football's given a lot back to me, so we get you know, getting a bit cheesy here now, but it'd be good to give something back and hopefully um, maybe in the future I can do because I'd love to get involved. Coming soon, Matt Gerard will be involved at Broadstairs United Football Club or something. I don't think, I don't think Broadstairs has got a team, I don't no, think. But, but I think uh, back in the day, I think Jimmy Ward and Danny Ward did have a sort of side around in the pub. So it's more of a pub based thing, yeah. I think, the, uh, from that. Yeah, but yeah, I could. Like, the ultimate broad take broad stairs to the scaffold within <laughs> 20 years that, that, that's a challenge on football manager isn't it I would have thought well, especially as none of those leagues are on football manager uh, anyway <laughs> elsewhere in the Isthmian League South East Division on Saturday it was Burgess Hill 2 sitting 1-1 Faversham Neil Whitstable 2 Herne Baby 7-0-3-2 High Eve were beaten 4-1 at home by Ashford United it was Ramsgate 1 Phoenix 1 VCD Athletic 2, Hayward Heath 2, Whitehawk 2, Craig Valley PM 0. Uh, on Tuesday night, as well as Wits were losing 3-1 at home, Ashford United did as well as they lost 3-1 at home to Guernsey. Uh, and Sydney... Where are Guernsey in the league, though? Must be riding high. They, I think they've, they've found a bit of form. I don't think they're that high up the table, and I can't access it at this exact moment in time. Uh, but they are, because they had a difficult start, didn't they? But I think they yeah. they found a bit of form, and, and that's not ideal for Whitstable. Um, right. It's got them. Sittingbourne also lost again on Tuesday night, beating 2-1 at Whiteleaf. This weekend, uh, it's Cray Valley against East Grinstead, Faversham against Whiteleaf, 
Guernsey against Hyde, Hayward Heath against Ashford, Seven Oaks against Sittingbourne, which is also Seven Oaks' only home game in the whole of December, VCD Athletic against Herne Bay, Whitehawk against Ramsgate, Whitsville against Phoenix Sports, and on Tuesday, Faversham against Ramsgate, Sittingbourne against Hastings, and as we've already heard, Whitsville go to Guernsey on Wednesday night. Are they league games midweek? Yeah, they, they rearrange games. games or they arranged for the season? They are rearranged games from cup. But again, I, I know in the National League you have to do it within a certain about six weeks. If the game gets somebody on about this, surely have some sense. Right, we'll just we'll play it in March. Does it make any difference? No, exactly. I know they're ca- unless they're catching up loads of games, which arguably you look at it, they probably are in this division because of them. You know, not even a third of the season's gone yet. So, but it just seems absolutely mental. Where to go next then? Uh, let's go to the National League. Uh, well, while Dover were going out the FA Cup at the weekend, Ipswich United grabbed a crucial win over Wrexham to move off the bottom, only for the Welsh side to win at Eastleigh on Tuesday night and send Kevin Watson's men back to the foot of the table. Uh, that's frustrating for him, Matt, but uh, that was a, a crucial result on, on Saturday. It shows how tight the National League is, doesn't it? Um, Wrexham, you do think Wrexham are going to get out of it. You do think Chesterfield will get out of it. And Emsley will be looking at that game when Wrexham won at Eastleigh and think, oh, bugger, that was a bit of a disappointment after the, the great result they had against Wrexham. Wrexham, the game was that game they had to win and they did win that game. And whatever the reports I've got, they deserve to win that game. But they've got to follow that up now. Um, he's going on a bit of a run. I think... It's a tight, tight division from top to bottom. So you absolutely know they bring up three wins on the spin. They could be well out of the uh, the drop zone there, and they've got to do that. And Kevin Watson's record not too bad since they're coming in. As I've said before, goal scoring doesn't seem to be an issue. Defending defensively, they may look a little bit susceptible, particularly. Um, you know, they, you know. Sometimes they need to more score more than one game, one goal to win a game. So I'm sure at one point that Kevin Watson. Um, one, he more than one goal to win a game that is standard, isn't it? I think um, yeah, keeping a clean sheet will be good. If they went to Eastleigh and drew nil-nil, in some ways that's a real positive rather than winning 3-2 in a roundabout way. Does that sound mental? No, I know what you mean. It will just give the defence a bit of confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, you do need to score more goals than the other teams to win a match. So, yeah, But they're going in the right direction. Oh, anybody can anybody can win this division and look at the table anybody can anybody can get relegated so but at least they are looking up rather than down because the form hasn't been too bad recently yeah there is someone in the, in mid-table who will plummet and get relegated from that division so time will tell uh, Bromley will also have been frustrated on Saturday's their game with the Oval ended 10 aside and one apiece with a 97th minute goal from Reese Murphy giving the Glovers a share of the sports <coughs> Still second, Neil Smith's men now have but they're three points behind Barrow. Looking at the league table, five draws at home for, for Bromley this season. They've got to turn more of those into wins if they're going to be serious contenders for this title. Yeah, I think I don't know, their form of late hasn't been, hasn't been great. They haven't been winning matches, but they're still at the top of the table, which shows the craziness of this division. Um, Yeovil, hit and miss side, Reese Murphy. He's a goal scorer at this level. I was quite surprised Jovan brought him in from Chelmsford, but I think he's the top goal scorer in the division. So, and every team needs a goal scorer. They'll be disappointed with that, but probably aren't losing matches. They're drawing them. We've seen they drew with Harrogate when I was there and drew against Jovan. Against Jovan, it's a good good result. The only team that seems to be doing all right at the moment is Barrow. So, everything else is there. But they're keeping on the coattails, probably. So, I'm sure Neil Smith, he's mentioned before, they're overachieving. He'll be disappointed with that, but I think if you'd offered him a draw against Brom, against Yeovil, who can be a decent side, but it's, you know, expecting to go back up, that's a decent result. Well, it was Yeovil who, who inflicted Bromley's first defeat of the season on them as well. So, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. And, and like I said, they don't lose a lot of games. They've only lost one at home out of 12, but they've drawn five. And, you know, you look at the teams above them and they've probably got more, the team above them, Brom, Barrow, have won more at home and lost more at home. And it is that thing, it's the same things we're talking about with Ebsfleet, really. You've got to turn those draws into wins. Yes, you said there's, there's a side in the middle of the table that will plummet to get relegation. There may be a side in the middle of the table who are going to storm into the playoffs as well. So probably need to be a little bit wary. Have they had a bit of a dip in form, Bromley? Uh, Results-wise, maybe, but they're not losing many matches. So I think that's... Uh, Will they have a bit of a blip later on? Maybe with Chris Bush being suspended and injuries coming. Uh, interesting times for, for probably like for a lot of our signs. Now I'd say it's a bit of a crossroads for them. Yes, uh, that leaves with the FA Cup, where it's the end of the line for Dover Athletic on Sunday, beating three 0 at Peterborough. I wasn't there, but I know a man who was. Peterborough just too good on the day, Matt. Yeah, it was always going to be tough for Dover when Effie was going to be injured, and when we spoke to him on the pod last week. 
the consensus was that he wasn't going to be fit anyway, which is a blow. They were going to risk him. Decided against it. Dover, without Effion, not really got a focal point for the attack. Uh, Rick does the job, but as I always said, describe a willing runner. Don't see many goals in him. Dover kept the ball pretty well. Peterborough should have been up three up maybe at half-time we made a couple of saves and they missed a couple of sitters but Andy Hesentala said didn't think a 3-0 was a fair reflection on chances it probably was and Dover now I mentioned crossroads they're probably at a bit of a crossroads what do they do now um, some big games coming up will they be will they be the side that gets sucked back into the relegation zone or do they want to be the side that gets up into seventh place and I think if they do want to get into seventh place there's got to be changes in the squad well, exactly. Uh, this weekend, Chesterfield against Bromley, Dover against Boreham Wood, which is a big game, and Eastleigh against Ebbsfleet. So uh, they're all, all big games for, for those teams, really, because it, as you say in this league, Matt, anyone can beat anyone. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy division. Um, I, still, I still feel, I said to you, I thought Solihull would win the league when they were 3 0 up and lost 4 3 the last, conceded 4 in the last 12 minutes. Maybe there's a bit of frigidity there for them getting bullied by Rotherham. So. I still think Solihull will, will do it um, to the side of the division. But can our, can Bromley stay in the playoffs? Yes. Will Dover stay in the playoffs unless they strengthen their squad? No. So, um, But again, December period's coming up. League games this week. Then it's the trophy. And then it's that busy period over Christmas which can make or break you a little bit. Yeah, into the National League South where Mason also went out of the cup on Saturday beating 3-1 at Blackpool. I've, I've got Blackpool down as team who had half-time roasting uh, after being 1-0 down at the break and coming out and scoring three in about four or five minutes straight afterwards. Yeah, I feel for Mason when one and up with an absolute wonder goal by Calm, wasn't it? That's a, if you haven't seen that, check that out on social media. The technique on that is, is brilliant. A bit like Zidane against Leverkusen, would you say? Um, very similar, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah that's a great goal. Really good finish. When I first saw it, I was, I was out and about and I saw it and I, and I think I shared it with you straight away yeah. to say, well, what a hit that is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they'll be disappointed the goals they conceded Maidstone from that you know Blackpool came at them Defonso scoring but a couple of the goals where look a little bit panicky at the back and particularly the third one where they're doing their own kick off Maidstone and then 30 seconds, 20 seconds later it's in the back of the net they'll be disappointed and again like Dover at a crossroads now can they win that division 16 points behind Wildstone they need to go on a bit of a run they've still got players that John still wants to move out and I'm sure he wants to bring players in so yeah, I think uh, the next couple of months are quite important for Maidstone. Um, second round of the FA Cup, great achievement. But if, it finish, if they finish eighth in the division, missing out on the playoffs, is that a bad season for Maidstone? Arguably, yes. No, I would agree with you on that one. Uh, on Saturday in the league, uh, Bath City 3, Dartford nil was a result I didn't see coming. Uh, Dorking Wanderers 2, Welling nil, And a nil-nil draw for uh, Tom and James at Slough. And then on Tuesday night, Angels were beaten 1-0 at Hungerford to drop back into the bottom two. Uh, they're at home to Billericay on Saturday. And, and Steve McKim will be hoping to... With this busy period that we're going to talk about a lot over the next few weeks, but they've got to pick up some results, haven't they? Yeah, well, their away form hasn't been great, has it? I don't think they've won away from home, so uh, I think scoring goals away from home has been a bit of a concern. Though Hungerford, not the greatest place to go on a Tuesday night, but I don't know from what, again, Steve, Steve McKim said that they didn't deserve anything out of that game, so that'll be bitterly disappointing because a win there, they'd have given them a nice gap to the second place, but now they're back in the drop zone, so two steps, two steps forward after a great result against Slough, and Slough riding high and losing to Hungerford. So, Steve McKim can pick them up, but it's an interesting time for Tunbridge Angels. Again, like all the sides now, we're going to keep saying this every week, this period now, when you're playing three games in the space of about five days, could be absolutely crucial. Have you got a big enough squad? Can you avoid getting injuries and can propel you into the new year with a bit of form? Well, that's the the, the big thing for, for, for especially for Tunbridge Angels, because of where they are in the league. And it, it was always going to be up against them this season, and that was a disappointing result to lose at Hungerford. But hopefully, they can get a result again on Saturday against the Billericay side who aren't in great touch, so that might do them uh, a bit of a favour. Uh, elsewhere on Saturday, it's Dulwich Hamlet against Dartford, Oxford City against Maidstone United, Welling are at home to Hemel Hempstead. Then on Tuesday night, more home games: Dartford against Billericay and Maidstone against Chippenham. Uh, that leaves us with the scaffold then. Uh, well, the FA Vars took centre stage this week. It went well. Four of the five Kent teams made it through. Chatham won the all scaffold tie with Wellingtown, thanks for Paul Bynes' effort. While Connor Coyne got both goals as Deal Town beat Southall 2 0. 
Jamie Philpott got the only goal as Glebe overcame Newhaven and Corinthian were 2 1 winners over much fancied Ascot United. That earned them a tie at Chatham in the last 32. A friend of the show, Michael Golding, another appearance on the Kent Lolly podcast. Here is the Corinthian boss on that Vars win and the draw. Yeah, no, really pleased. The boys executed the game plan perfectly. Um, we, uh, like you say, we, we knew what we were expecting. We had them watched a couple of times. Um, and we just felt that we could target them in certain areas. And, and although we go and look at other teams and, and we worry about what they're doing, predominantly we worry about ourselves more than anything. Um, and we always back that if we can perform to our levels, then, then we'll come out with a positive result. And Saturday proved just that. I, 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 from looking at it, there was a couple of nearer misses for your team as well. They were saying on Twitter they'd hit the bar and, and the post. Is that right? Yeah, they had a spell um, in the second half where they literally hit the post and the crossbar in the same attack. Um, but we, we said to the boys, it's about being in the hat, and obviously we were in that today. Um, and sometimes you've got to ride your luck in these cups competitions. And, and to be honest, they were probably their only real chances, and they'll say probably that they were unlucky not to score one of the two. Um, but our goalkeeper, Aidan, made an unbelievable save to tip the first one onto the post, and then and the guys hit one of the best shots you'll see at our level, and it's absolutely smashed cannons into the crossbar um, but yeah I was more than happy to see it bounce out and go the other way and then the draw was made uh, obviously earlier today and, and you get a team from your own division how how frustrating is that? Yeah frustrating in the sense of obviously it's a national competition or it's a north-south divider at this round and you always want to pit yourself against teams from other leagues um, but what it does give us an opportunity is a team that we know well. Um, it's a, both teams will fancy their chances. Chatham, without a doubt, will be the favourites to win the tie. Um, but that suits us down to the ground. But yeah, we're frustrated that we don't get to play a team from from a different league and, and see what the standards like. And boys, all we're looking forward to an away day, and we're on an away day down to Chatham. Yeah, it's not it's not that far, is it? Just down, just down the A2. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not the romantic away draw that they were all hoping for, unfortunately. I hear Chatham's lovely in January, though. Yeah, no, I can't wait. It'd be lovely down there on the Astro, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I suppose they're probably frustrated as well, and I guess you would have liked to have been at home as well. Yeah, home draw would have been preferable. We said after the Ascot game, anybody at home, we, we fancy our chances. And um, going away to Chatham makes it a little bit tougher. Obviously, they'll be they'll be used to playing on their Astro, but it will give us a surface to try and execute our game plan. Uh, we're playing them on the 14th of December, so at ours. So we've got them in a couple of weeks. So we'll get to see what the new look Chatham are all about under the new manager. Um, they're playing in a slightly different way, we've been told. And, and we'll get them watched a couple of times as well before Christmas, just to make sure we've done our homework. Um, but yeah, home would have been preferable, but, but an away tie against Chatham, it, it gives us a fighter's chance. It does show the strength of the, of the scaffold as well. I mean, like last year, obviously, we had two teams get to the semi-finals of the Vars. This year, we've got four teams through into the last 32. It's, it's a good time for the scaffold, isn't it? I think it really is. I think it, the league's going from strength to strength. Um, I think that it's improving all the time. I think you look at the infrastructure, you look at a club like Chatham, for example. Um, we were down there earlier in the season and, and the, the ground is now ready to go on and kick on to another level. Um, and there's more and more clubs in the scaffold, whether that's through money-wise or whether that's through players being attracted to the scaffold. The teams are getting stronger. The league is getting tougher and tougher. And it's a very hard league to get out of. We know that. Um, but that's now translating and transferring over into the national competitions uh, and the FA competitions where we seem to be doing a bit better than we maybe did a few years ago. Looking ahead at the weekend, you're at Hollands and Blair. They're a tricky side to beat this season under Simon Halsey, aren't they? Yeah, it'll be a really tough game. We um, we know just what's in store for us when we go down there. Um, it's, a, it's a tight pitch. It'll be a very, very, very um, tough physical game. They've got a very distinct playing style which works for them. Uh, and there'll be no arguments from us about their playing style. We know what to expect. Our whole December, when we look at our December, when the run we've got up until the new year, we're playing all the teams in and around the top. We've got a massively improved Punjab just after Christmas as well. So the next five, six league games will give us a massive indication of what we've got to do and where we are for the rest of the season. But yeah, Saturday, we'll train Tuesday, Thursday. We'll, we'll be ready for this week. Um, but yeah, it'll be a really tough game going to Holland and Blair. And then obviously you've got Glebe on Tuesday, another side who are, who are through in the Vars and, and, and looking good under Gary Alexander. Yeah, massively improved again. And the signings that they're making, they made a couple of signings last week, which, which just goes to show you the level that they're now trying to operate at. And, and hopefully we, 
we can carry on our good form. We've won 12 of our last 13 games. We just had the blip at AFC Gordon at the end of October. Um, so we're in good form as well. And although we'll respect the teams and we'll prepare and we'll have a game plan for Holland and Blair and Glebe, we'll, uh, we certainly won't be looking to sit back. We'll be looking to win both games because realistically we have to win both games to, to keep our little charge at the top of the table going. And you say, obviously, this is a crucial time coming up. It's This is the, the, the hard time, isn't it? The weather's poxy, the, the, the pitches get tougher and tougher. Uh, how do you go about preparing your team to, to cope with what's going to happen over the next month or so? We've said it all along. It's, for us, it's about the intensity in training. It's about having a squad that's capable of competing across numerous competitions. And we've done that so far. The only competition we're not still in is the FA Cup. Um, which when you think about it, it's probably unrealistic that we would still be in it at this stage. Um, but we're still in the League Cup, the Kent Cup, we're still in the Vars and competing well in the league. So that brings about an intensity in training, which keeps the boys honest. It keeps the boys wanting to be there. We train twice a week. Um, every single week we'll have the boys in and they know that they can't show up training sessions. They know that they need to be performing at their best with our squad of 21, 22 players. If they want to be performing and playing on a Saturday, then they need to be working hard in training and, and producing the goods on a Saturday. And that's what it will be over the next month. And I think the next month or so will show you who are going to be the three or four teams at the top of the table come, come the end of the season. You can sense the frustration there, Matt. They've just gone and beaten the leaders of another league. And then what do they get? The team is second in their own division. It's very, very frustrating. Yeah, I think it was a fantastic result against Ascot. Um, I didn't expect all of our sides to get through. Well, of course, the ones that could do, because what they, they all took all Kent side. But yeah, I, I, yeah, and I think he, he really said about that, that the players were looking for an away trip, a bit more bonding and going to Chatham, which will be tough. But as he said in that, Chatham, I think, a side that think this could be a good competition for them to, to go in. But Corinthian, we know what Corinthian are like. You know, arguably should have won the league last season. And Michael Goldie is a very measured, very focused manager, and he'll go there with a we're looking forward to it in the new year. But yeah, disappointed they didn't get the draw. But fantastic result against Ascot. And we said about non-league people there. He's done his homework on Ascot, as we probably knew he would. The depth that people go into. A lot of people probably look at the the non-league and say, oh, they just turn up on a Saturday and play games. But there's a lot more into it. And I thought it was a fantastic result against Ascot. And fair play to them. And I, and I felt for them when they saw the draw. Yeah, elsewhere in the draw, deal or at home to Binfield. Any ideas where that is, mate? I've got, I, I, when I saw the draw, I thought, I don't know where Bingford was, I'll look it up, I didn't bother. No, I've got no idea. I, I was exactly the same. I did look it up straight away, though. Uh, they are near Bracknell, uh, and they are currently seventh in the Hellenic League. So that's a, a winnable tie for Bingfield. Um, so we yeah. look forward to hearing how that goes. And Bingfield. Bingfield. Is that village? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so well, that's why we love the Vars, these bizarre places. So I'm going to Bingfield for the day. Yes. Uh, and Glebe are on the road to Stowmarket Town uh, in the last I know Stowmarket because my sister used to live in Stowmarket. Yeah. So I know where Stowmarket is. Do you know how good their football team is this season, though? No, not to be honest. Well, so bad, to sadly for Glebe, uh, very is the answer. They are leaders of the Eastern Counties League. Uh, they are unbeaten. Uh, they've scored 51 goals and conceded seven in their 16 league games. They're away there, are they? Leave or they're home? Yeah, away. So that's going to be a tough one. And that's the trek. It's about a three-hour trek there yeah, as well. Long, so. long way to go, yeah. So those ties are uh, the second weekend of January. Uh, so we'll look ahead to them uh, nearer to the time. Elsewhere in the scaffold on Saturday, Beckenham need a last-minute goal to earn a point here at the Belvedere. Here at Town beat Crowborough 2-1. Uh, Hollands and Blair were 3-1 winners at Greenwich Borough. Tunbridge Wells won by one goal to nil at K-Sports. That was, it was the same score between uh, Punjab and Lordswood, 1-0 to the visitors. Lordswood, Sheffield United beat Fisher by two goals to nil. Uh, on Saturday, it's Beckenham against Wellingtown, Chatham against Irithtown, Deal against AFC Croydon, Fisher against Irith and Belvedere, Glebe against Punjab, Greenwich Borough against Lordswood, Hollands and Blair against Corinthian, K-Sports against Canterbury and Tunbridge Wells against Sheppey. And as we heard Michael Golding say, it's Corinthian against Glebe on Tuesday night as well. Uh, in Division 1, it was Brydon Ropes 2, Southern Athletic 3, Croydon 2, Snodland 0, Forest Hill Park 2, Greenways 1, Holmesdale 1, SC Thamesmead 0, Kennington 4, Kent Football United 1, Rostell 1, Rochester United 2. On Tuesday, Stansfield 2, Lewisham Borough 1. I've left one game from Saturday to the end there. FC Elmstead against Meridian. It finished 5-1 to the home side, Matt. Yep. Uh, would you like to have a guess, according to the Scaffold website, how many paying supporters there were at that game? Five. Oh, you're close. Nine. Uh, 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 they're probably not 
I don't know if they pay the players, but they're probably going to expenses. You know, fair play to the people who are doing that. That must be really galling when you see nine people, but that shows the love of non-league football yeah. um, from that. So, yeah, fair play. Well, yeah, well, as we always say, if you were, if you if you're at a loose end on a weekend and you like going and watch football games. matches, go to the you'll be yeah. entertainment galore. Yeah, well, six six goals. I mean. That's almost one per, per spectator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, we don't. I mean, we, we, I hope we're not. We're not taking the mickey here. We know how tough it is. So. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really tough. So fair play to, to everyone who goes along, and fair play to all, everyone uh, involved in the in the club as well at FC Hampstead. Uh, the, this weekend, Kennington against Forest Hill Park, Kenfield United against Rustall, Lewis and Borough against Bride and Ropes, Meridian VP against Stansfeld, Rochester against Greenways. SC Thamesmead against Leeds Town, Sutton Athletic against Holmesdale. And I suppose one thing you could look at uh, in terms of those fixtures as well is you never know when these teams are playing because sometimes there, sometimes there's a full programme in, in Division 1, other times there's not. Sometimes, you, you know, I don't study it that, that deeply, but I know sometimes I'm looking and I'm not mentioning the team and I'm like, well, they're not playing. And other times that, that, that they are all playing. So, you know, it, it does make it harder. The big thing, uh, it's a phrase that that is used a lot in, in the media, appointment to view, appointment to listen. You can't, if you can't make an, a regular appointment to go and see these teams because no one seems to, there's any rhyme or reason to when they actually are or are playing. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, football's got to be concerned about various things of how it acts and things that you need to know on a regular basis, look at your fixtures, when we're playing, when we can go, particularly this time of year. Again, if they're not going to play league games, don't play them in December or something. Arrange something in so you know when people are going to go if, if you're concerned about that. But I think the plethora of cup competition doesn't help in this because you can go out early, early doors and then you're not playing for a while. Exactly. Well, that is pretty much it for this week's Ken Only podcast. Brought to you uh, from Spain this week, uh, as I've already mentioned. Uh, thank you very much to Matt for moving his lunch hour. Thank you very much to the long-suffering Hayley for letting me uh, take 45 minutes out of our uh, rainy holiday to, to have a look at this as well. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Kent NL Podcast uh, on Twitter on Facebook. We're Kent Non-League. Um, you can also... Uh, find us at John Phipps 81 is me and at Matthew underscore Gerard is him on Twitter uh, this weekend I assume you're at Dover Matt against Bournemouth yeah uh, need a win need a striker anybody can get a striker in give, us a, give me a tweet who we can recommend and sign I'm free I can play Saturday yeah are you a willing runner or a finisher finisher mate finisher I'll, I'll oh, that's what we need yeah yeah, yeah. me and Big Innie is the strike partnership that the National League is waiting for uh, yeah, Big John would it be? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, what a pairing! Yeah. Uh, on the radio show Monday night, we talked about uh, cricket in schools. Actually, which was very interesting. Uh, this Monday coming, we've got uh, a very special guest, which uh, may not interest non-league sports, but it, it may do actually. So uh, we're not revealing who that is yet, but hopefully you'll be able to tune in Monday night, nine o'clock BBC Radio Kent. Uh, that is pretty much it. So thank you to everybody for listening, and we shall speak to you all next week. The rain falls mainly on the plains in Spain. Okay, I know, don't really be cheeky, John, but I am laughing and he's chuckling down on your lady. <laughs>